Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. With great respect and with great honor, I would like to invite Pastor GF to come up here and let's give him a father's welcome to our house. Amen. Thank you. Well, give it up for Jesus. He's the real hero here. Amen. Y'all shouting this church? That's what I'm talking about. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you so much. How many are visiting Spring of Life for the first time? Okay. How many have been here more than once? How many are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say today? All right. I'm going to get you for long. Good to have you in the house. How many are ready for intense men this year? Oh, my goodness. Well, we are ready for you. We've been putting in several work days out at the land. Last year when you were there uh, at Jordan Ranch, you remember we, we, we challenged the men and asked, would you like to have a lake? We asked that question because before we go farther, I want to know if the men are going to buy in. It's kind of why I'm here today. I want to know if the men are going to buy into this thing called the kingdom of God. I was so pleasantly surprised. I really didn't know. I had a thought. I had a lot of prayer. My staff was very shaky. They weren't sure about this thing because we've never done that before. Matter of fact, we don't receive offerings at intense. But the Lord said this. He said, if y'all want a lake, ask the men if they want it. So we asked the men and they started raising their hand. We'd like a lake. We'd like to go fishing with our sons. And so we, we had already raised a certain amount of money, and we had X amount of dollars left, $70,000 left. And that's a lot of money. But there was over 1,000 men there. And I remember standing on the stage, and I said, if you want it, raise your hand. And they all raised their hands. I said, well, then that's easy. Let's sacrifice. And the first thing they did was stand up, and a line began on the left or the right-hand side, and it was a little boy that was the first one. Do you remember that, Pastor? He came up with a, a dollar. And he said, I want to give a dollar. And then all the other men stood up and got in line. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible says a little child shall lead them. And do you know within 30 minutes we raised $70,000? $5 here, $10 here, whatever. But men said, I want something. And so when we want something, we're willing to sacrifice. Isn't it good to see that when we want something for the kingdom of God, that sacrifice is still the way? Amen. Thank you for, for allowing uh, me to come today, uh, especially without my wife, because she always makes me look a lot better. I wish that she was here with us uh, today, but she will come back. You guys have been tremendously faithful to my wife and myself, and so the first people we think about is you and your pastor. Uh, um, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. How many have heard that before? Yes? And so you know, no, nobody pays to get that gift it's a gift of the heart and we love to come here and be with Joaquin and Yvette and with their family and you are that family so thank you very much for having us today are y'all okay today yes. am, am I speaking too fast no. do you understand Texan yes. are you sure yes. okay all right do I need translation okay wonderful well, uh, today I, I, I spoke to the ladies. How many ladies were with us last night when we talked about Alpha Male? Was that all right last night? Did we have fun? 
Y'all aren't responding, but come on. All right. That's why we, one of the things we've been doing is an alpha male tour, and this is about the eighth time we've done it, you know, eighth church that we've done it, our eighth group, and we always try to touch the ladies first because we, we, we understand something about that process, and they want their men to be strong. They want their men to, to be wise, and so we ask them to really help us get the men here on Monday night. Everybody say Monday night. Monday, Monday night. If you, if you can change the man, you can change the church. Amen. Let me say it again. If you change the church, you change the city. The reason our cities aren't where they're supposed to be is because our churches aren't where they're supposed to be. This one is, but most are not. Yes? This is a strong church because you have strong men. You have a strong uh, leader in your pastor. You're wonderful. So when I talk about church and I talk about corporate church, that's around the world. So when I travel to Africa or I travel to Scotland or wherever I travel, I see the same things. I see, some, I, I see a lack of men, even though we've been preaching this for over 20 years now. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole was my spiritual father, and just like your pastor is sowing into us and honoring us, we would do the same thing for him. He's been in heaven for 12 years. When he was gone, then a man named Larry Stockstill out of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, became our spiritual covering. We believe in that. Why? Because I know that at the end of the day, uh, I am spirit, but I'm also human. And I, I need somebody to look over my shoulder. I need to give somebody the right to look in my face and say, what are you doing? Do you understand that? If we have that, we're safe. The minute we get too big for the ministry, we're in trouble. Amen? I like talk back church. If you talk back to me, I'll move forward and go faster. How about that? Yeah, all right. Come on, you can get to barbecue in just a minute. <clears throat> I, I was wondering uh, today, pastor didn't ask me to speak on anything. He, he might have thought I was going to speak on alpha male, but, and, and I will use some, some quotes from that because I believe we need strong men. I believe we need strong men and strong women to be with those strong men. I believe the woman plays a bigger part than what, than what we know. This book is entitled The Alpha Male and the Women Who Get Them. Y'all need to pray for my wife. She's had to live with me for almost 30 years now. It took me a while to figure out why we had arguments. And most of the time it was because when I get focused on something, that's just the way it's going to be. How, how many know what I'm talking about? And that's, that's, that comes along with your gifting and your, you know, a, a, a prophetic gifting is that you see the future. And, and nobody else sees that. But you see something, and when something gets between you and what you see, you try to get that out of the way. And that's why you have a strong... When, when, when the Lord said to, um, to Noah, I want you to build an, an ark. I want you to build a, a boat. He did that because he says, if you read your Bible, he said he's the most faithful man in the earth. And he chose the most faithful man, and he called Noah the most faithful man in the earth. He called Abraham his friend. These are big titles with big uh, expectations. And, and so one of the things that we say all the time is that uh, we're not begging anybody to get on the ark. We just keep building and let everybody know the rain's coming. Does that make sense? I'm not begging anybody to do anything. I'm just here to tell you what I've found. I'm 55 years old. I began serving God when I got married. I thought I was saved when I was 10 years old, but I can tell you right now I was not. I said a prayer. I jumped in some water, and then I lived like hell until I got married. Anybody relate to that? Don't raise your hand because I know everybody's looking at you, but yeah. <laughs> How many know many of us get there? 
I mean, thank God I'm not there any longer. But I'm convinced that if I would have died in between that time, I wouldn't be in heaven. And that's scary. And I, I, I just want to take liberty, if I can, for a minute, because I believe there's something that's very important that you need to hear. And pastor's given me that liberty. And I, I want to say this. I love you very much. Lo- love, doesn't, love doesn't take. Love gives. I want to say that again if you're taking notes. Love asks this question. What can I give at expense of self? Lust is the opposite of love. Lust says what can I take at the expense of others? You're in a month or in a year right now, right, Pastor? Where we're talking about what? Loving others. Is that correct? Is that not the theme for this year? I think it's wonderful. How do we love others like Christ loved us? How do we do that? One of the things the Lord's put on my heart, is, and this will be our our seventh book, and it's about that. It's about the local church being the church. Did you know that you're called the bride? Did you know that? You're called the bride. The church is designed by God to be his bride. Let me ask you a question. What do you think Eve looked like? The first bride. She had to be a knockout. Adam was knocked out. Phew. When he woke up, he looked over and he said, whoa, man. She was something else. What do you think he designed to be his bride? What do you think he thinks about you? He died for you. He created you to take over the world, to be a world changer. But what happens to us? Many times the the way that we're created was not how we live because we fall out of knowledge and revelation and intimacy. And we get distracted or off track, like a train getting off track. And, and we need to be pulled back into that line. And that's why we meet on Sunday mornings. Amen? If you're not born again today, which means you're not saved, if you haven't totally given your life to Christ, then my prayer is that you would today. My prayer is at the end of this message, we're going to give an altar call and you can, you can give your life to Christ. But let me help you with something. I'm not a good enough speaker to convince you. So I didn't come to convince you to get saved today. I didn't get convinced. The Holy Spirit revealed himself to me. And once I did that, I, it's like on a, jump, on a diving board in a pool. I just jumped in. I sure didn't understand everything about that Bible. How many know this is, this, this is something that, that's a big book? How many know there's some things in there that we don't always understand, especially in the beginning, yes? And how many know, I thank God that's not a prerequisite for salvation. You know what a prerequisite for salvation is? Faith. You know what faith is? Trust. I would say to you today that many people aren't saved because they've never trusted. You can, put, you can fill in the blanks all you want to, but trust says, I'm going to close my eyes and jump. You were made to jump. And many people have never jumped. They keep coming to church until the pastor convinces them. This is not a trial. We're not trying to argue you into heaven. I wish I could have an amen because I'm getting scared up here. It's getting real quiet. Are you all okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? I began to think about that. I thought every Sunday, and we've been doing church now. We celebrate 20 years in June. We founded a church, and it's 20 years old in June. And I hope all of you will come and help us celebrate because you're invited. It's going to be incredible, and you need to come to Texas once in your life anyway. Amen? (laughs) Bring your wife. 
And I begin to think, over 20 years, have I been trying to convince people? Because I see the same people sitting there, some of them for 20 years. And I'm wondering if they're saved. What is it that makes somebody saved? I think the fruit of your life is that you exhibit love for other people, yes? You'll know them by their love one for another. Well, what, how does that look in, in biblical terms? What does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. How many of y'all are coming to Intense this year? I hear we've got another bus load. Is that right, Curtis? I hear we have another bus load. And so I want to I tell you this. If there's anything we can do to help get more of you there, we will. Last year we had 1,000 men. That's a lot of men. This year we already have over 1,000 registered. And we're six weeks away. Last year at this time we only had 100 registered. Our goal is 2,000, Pastor. We're not, listen, here's, here's the beauty. We're asking men to come and camp. We're not asking them to come and sit in an air-conditioned sanctuary and go back to the hotel and watch ESPN. Are you with me? <laughs> we're, not, we're not promoting. That's your bus. That's what y'all look like. Beautiful. When you, when, you, when you pull up to the ranch. Yeah. And then they go down into the valley, and they put their tents up and make rice and paella and all that stuff. It's, that ain't even fair. I walked back there, and there was a big shrimp that big in that thing. I said, oh, my Lord. I, I, lo I, love, I love your church because when you, you guys get there, I get to brag on you all the time. And your pastor does a great job of preaching and ministering. But uh, just to think, how many hours is it, Pastor? 26 hours one way? On a bus with men. <laughs> One bathroom. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there. But I think if I was on that bus, when I got there, I'm going to win something. How about you? Amen. I, I'm not coming back without a trophy of something. And you did. You did that, your guys did a great job. They competed well. And this year, we, we, we actually, I think I'm going to, uh, we, uh, we had a young man that came and, 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 and found out about Intense. He lives out in San Antonio area where I live now. And he said, hey, I just bought a new franchise. I want you to see what it looks like. What do you think about this as a new sport at Intense? So you're the first church I've shown it to. I haven't even shown it to Powerhouse yet. Can I show you that? It's called Knocker Ball. Curtis, run that real quick. Knocker Ball. Yeah, watch this. Music's really cool. There we go. I think we might have pastors against kids. Here we go. I think we should have youth pastors against youth pastors. What do you think, Nick? Let me say that's intense. Yeah? 
Praise the Lord, we have a new lake this year. It's two acres. It's full of bass and catfish. Guaranteed to catch a fish every cast. If you have faith. We call it Faith Lake. We have a new softball field that we just built. And so bring your softball team to that and all kind of other neat stuff this year. We shoot skeet. We do, you know, all the stuff that we do. But mainly we come out there and we eat together and we sit around the campfire and we talk about Jesus. And for three days, your guys will never forget that. Amen? So anything we can do to help get you there and get you back, that's what we want to do. You guys did a great job the last several years. And uh, uh, we're excited in the next six weeks to see two thousand men so get on your social media get everybody even if they don't live here get them to Schulenburg Texas amen? amen praise the Lord I want to talk to you this morning about something that's near and dear to my heart it's our next book that we're going to write uh, there's actually two books that we're writing right now one is called all in everybody say all in, all in. we've asked our church and an experiment in faith to ask our church powerhouse we have about 2,500 members and we wanted to find out who was really all in and who was not all in. I find it better that if we're going to go to war, you might want to know who's really going to participate in the war as they come behind you rather than turn around and find there's nobody behind you. How many know it's, it's, you can talk louder when you have an army behind you? It's terrible to talk loud and turn around. There's nobody behind you. Yes? And, 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 and so we ask our church in a, in a one-year experiment, this 20th year, to become all in. We actually ask them to sign a piece of paper and say, would you do this? Now, I know everybody thinks that they're saved, but I think it's important for you to know if you're saved before you meet Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm talking about meet Jesus in heaven. I mean, how many know that everybody will meet him at some point? Whether you believe in him or you don't believe in him, at the end of the day, he owns the whole place. Does that make sense? So as a pastor, my heart is that you know him. My heart is that you know the secret code to get in. Got to attention that time. We must know when he says, why should I let you in here? What, what will you say? Well, I went to church. That's not it. Pastor Joaquin was my pastor. That's not it. He was my dad. That doesn't get it. There are many things we could say, but not all of them are the right answer. So as the shepherd, as the leader, I would think it would be very important that before you left this meeting today, you knew exactly what he's looking for on that day. And how many of you know it's not here that you know it? It's here that you know it. Many people, listen, if you're taking notes, take this down. What I've observed over, over 25, 26 years of full-time ministry, 55 years of life, um, building the ranch, building the churches, you know, planting churches around the world, is that most people have a cerebral relationship with God. They know Him mentally. They do not know Him in their heart. Let me say it again. They know about Him, but they do not know Him. The Bible says it is the truth that will make you free. Is that right? It's wrong. It's not the truth that makes you free. It's the truth you know that will make you free. And the Bible says Adam knew Eve and they conceived. That kind of knowing, intimacy, produces something. If there's no productivity, then that's evidence that there is no intimacy. 
when you stand before God and all of eternity is weighed on your heart, when you give the answer, you must understand heart-to-heart communication, spirit-to-spirit, for your heart and your spirit is the same word. For they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Is that right? So when you get before him, it is spirit to spirit. That's why he gives you the ability to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you can speak his language and he can understand you. It's an intimacy. Now, if these things are really challenging you, let me just, how many heard of Jeff Foxworthy? Two people. That's, he's not very popular in Miami. He's a redneck. How many have heard of the term redneck? <laughs> now, uh, he's the guy that started all that. He said, you might be a redneck if. You remember that? Yeah. All right. So here's, here's what we might say is you might be a Christian if. You might be saved if. I want you to consider these things. The Bible says consider your ways. I think as a pastor, we need to always be challenging the congregation to consider your ways because this is where we live. This is the intimacy that we have. And I want to bring something to you today that's going to blow a few things away. I only have a few minutes, but I want to, this is actually in one of our last chapters that we talk about. And it's, it's a, uh, a chapter that talks about the, 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 the verbiage of a warrior, which is what you are, male or female. You're called to be a warrior because God said that he is a warrior. Amen? There's a man named Willie George. Who ever heard of Willie George? Gospel Bill. How about Gospel Bill? Oh, he raised up the largest uh, uh, children's ministry in the United States. That of Tulsa, Oklahoma is called the 180 Youth Ministry. Study that out. He still has the largest church in all of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And how many of those? A lot of churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He would bus in kids, and, and I would go and see this, this incredible, I don't know if you ever saw it, Pastor, it's an incredible building that he built it was a sanctuary that held 3,000 kids and it was it was like a theater movie theater and outside of the sanctuary they would play basketball I mean they built this facility basketball every video game you could do every I mean they had a, a bar with water from all over the world it was just sight and sound you wouldn't believe it and they bust them in from all over Tulsa so the junior high would play while the senior high was ministered to got it and then after an hour they would swap so 3,000 in, 3,000 out here. Then they would swap. Just kids running everywhere. And he built up a generation. And it's a huge ministry. And he also built up a, 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 a theme park, much like a Disney World, a smaller version of it. And so when people would go in there, he, he built that thing. And he would say this. He would say, the acid test. Everybody understand that term? The acid, to find out if it's really gold, the acid test of a Christian is the tithe. The word tithe is spelled T-I-T-H-E. Look at me. I didn't come to get any money from you. I don't want your money. I don't want you to give me a nickel. I don't need it. I'm a blessed man. No, really. I'm blessed because of what I give. When I give, I receive. I live off my tithe, not yours. Do you hear what I said? I'm not here for that. I'm here to be a dad and a father. I want to explain some things to you. On my phone, I keep a picture of the first house I ever rented with my wife. Been married 28 years now. My son is going on 28 years old. Pretty close there, huh? <laughs> when he was just a little boy, Cole, you've met Cole. He's, 
when, when he was just a little boy, he would run around, with, and, and sometimes he couldn't find his pants. You know what I'm talking about? Just little. And he would run around the backyard, and it was on like a, a, a city block. We thought we were doing well because we had a, a house. The house was 500 square feet. That's about this area right here. But I thought I was doing good because I was in my 20s. My wife was young. In her 20s. We heard about this thing called the tithe. I'd never heard it in my life. And I asked the pastor, what does that mean? He said, well, that means you give the first 10% of your, your check to the house of God so that we can win souls. I said, well, I've never heard of that. I said, that's a lot of money. I went and told my wife, and she said, that's a lot of money. Because I'd never heard it before, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. Because I like my money. How about you? And then I began to understand it wasn't my money anyway. When I gave my life to Christ, I gave everything. I gave my wife, I gave my kids, I gave my house, I gave my car, I gave my life to Christ. So for me to be able to honor him with the first and the best 10% seemed like an easy thing. Now, I know it gets real quiet when you talk about money in church. <laughs> but when y'all leave here, I know what you talk about. You talk about money. Come on. The reason you went to college is so you could learn how to earn more money. What if the tithe was bigger than what you thought it was? What if the tithe was really God's acid test for your heart? What if you and I could rationalize it out, Pastor, and we could say, well, God knows my heart and it's not about money, and he knows what I can't afford that. And we have all these little things, but then when you stand up here in front, he goes, you know, it's really simple. Am I worth a dime off a dollar? Not me. God would ask you, take out a dollar and look at a dime. Is God, is Jesus, is the cross worth a dime off of every dollar? You keep 90, you give him a dime. Why do you give him a dime? So a pastor can have a new suit? Why? So we can win souls. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Who devised that? Pastor? No. This was all a long time before we were ever thought about the tithe is holy under the Lord. The tithe is called the holy thing. Take a note on that. Holy thing. You know what else is called the holy thing? Jesus. When Mary became pregnant with a seed, she was pregnant with the holy thing. How many have heard of John 3.16? For God so loved the world, he, he tithed. For God so loved the world, he took the holy thing from the right-hand position and he gave it. And, he, and by the holy thing being sacrificed, you and I were redeemed. How do you think that chair was purchased? Somebody before you tithed. So when you came in and you got dressed up and you heard the message, you were saved because of the tithe of heaven and the tithe of somebody else. If you really love your neighbor, <laughs> it starts with sacrifice. Are y'all getting this? I didn't come to talk about money. I came to talk about heart. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, I want to I proceed in the next 20 minutes to try to explain this. Am I doing okay, Pastor? I, again, we can, men, Monday night we're talking about men. Last night we talked about women, yes? Today we're talking about both of us. Because this is something that can propel you. I don't live in a 500 square foot home anymore. 
Praise God. I'm comfortable where I live. My family's comfortable. I've never been begging bread. I've never lacked for, as you can tell by looking at it, I never, I've never begged for anything. God has always met all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I didn't come to tell you about giving me money. I don't want money. I don't want an offering. I told, asked the pastor, I said, I don't want an honorarium. I just want to come and minister. I don't need it. Did you hear what I said? I'm not here begging for money. I'm here to tell you that when I began to tithe, my life changed. That's what I came to tell you. I can prove it. We've never missed in 28 years. Matter of fact, we don't give 10%. We figured out the day we're about 33%. Of everything that comes into my house goes back in a tithe and an offering. You can't offer unless you tithe. Don't be afraid of this thing. Understand something. You can't give what you don't have. Yes or no? God's not asking you to give something you don't have. But when your check comes in, if you'll be, if you'll be uh, diligent, if you'll be disciplined to honor him with the first 10% and then let him work on the rest of the 90% and bless it for you, you'll begin to see something you've never seen before. How many of you have been married before? When you got married, did you give her a ring? What did that say? You and me, baby, that's it, right? Come on, one wife, one life. Help me out a little bit, yes? That's what that ring means, yes? It's circle. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't split. It's just for me. It's a promise, right? All of my stuff belongs to you. All of your stuff belongs to me, good or bad, yes? That's called a covenant. And that's a type and a shadow, as you know, of what we are when we're saved. All of me belongs to you. All of you belongs to me. We get the better end of that deal. Let me help you. Yes? It's called a covenant. Somebody say a covenant. covenant. Do you know what the first covenant, what sign of the covenant was? Someone. Bible students, what was it? What happened after the flood? Rainbow, sign of the covenant, right? God's covenant with man. God's promise with man. This is important. What was the second covenant sign? Happened with Abraham. Something was cut off. That's all the men saying, oh, yes. <laughs> Circumcision. So when God, when, God, when God looked back, he wanted to say, these are my people because of the sign that they have accepted. If you're my people, sacrifice is necessary. You don't have to be my people, but if you choose to, I want you to understand we're going to get married and this is a sign. Here, here's a rainbow. I'll never destroy the earth again. Here is a covenant of circumcision. Come on. What was the third one? It's water baptism. It's a sign of the covenant. When you accept Christ, you follow him in baptism. Yes? So we have these signs that are the covenant, not only from our end, but from God. Guess what the fourth one is? I believe it's the tithe. I believe God can see his people by those that give the first and the best off every dollar. Are you with me? Now, can I buy, are you saying, preacher, that I can buy my way into heaven? Now, see, that's an argument from the devil that's trying to work on you. We're not talking about that. You don't give to get into heaven. You give because he died to get you into heaven. Does that make sense? You give because you love him. And you want others to understand him. Yes? People have done that since long before you were born. 
people have understood that, covenant people, and they want others to um, uh, be saved. Now, I call this message rocket fuel because the level with which your church believes in Christ is the level with which your church tithes unto the church, the bride. How do you take care of God's wife? Does that need a translation? How do you take care of the bride? Have you ever seen a wedding? Who, who is the object? It's not the groom. Who is it? It's the bride. How, uh, the most expensive thing is the dress that she wears one day. Come on. But dad takes care of her, doesn't he? Yeah, and so do the bridesmaid and the groomsmen, right? Everybody's going out and getting their tux and getting their dress, and they only wear it one day. But she is the object. How are we taking care of God's bride? Well, I don't know, Pastor. Pastor doesn't talk about that very much. Well, let, let me help you. George Barnard says that across the United States, which is where we live, everyone that calls herself a believer, a born-again believer, they, call, they consider themselves born again, only 4% of those people give 10% or more. Mm -hmm. Four percent. Four percent of those people give ten percent or more. Many times people are, 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 are spoken to in a way where they get emotional and they'll give. Well, I, I think we, we can get emotional, and I think sometimes that will elicit give. That's not the way that God does it, though. He basically said, if you love me, so help other people. Loyalty is important. Yes? I'm going to show you what he said in this book. The same book that your pastor quoted. It's in the book of Malachi. Turn, turn with me to Malachi if you have your Bible. If you're Italian, it's Malachi. Malachi starts off. Now, this, this book, that's actually the title of our next book, Malachi. It's important that you don't get caught up in money here, but that you understand the heart. You need to hear this because it's how God, I believe, identifies who we are, where your treasure is. What's there? Your spirit. Where's your treasure? Dr. Cole used to, used to teach this. He said, if I can see your daytime, when we had daytimers, he said, if I can see how you plan your time and how you plan your, your, your checkbook, he said, I can tell you where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your, where, me, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What you count is more important. You know what? I'm not going to show up in heaven one day and God show me a picture of a vehicle and say, that's your heart. I'm not going to show up and see anything else except the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know that what I'm doing is an investment in heaven. I can prove that to you if, if I have the time to do that. Look at verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you, sons, uh, 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 you are not consumed, you sons of Jacob or Israel. He said, because I keep my word, no matter what you've done in the past, he said, I haven't destroyed you. I've kept you here, and I keep trying to turn you back to me. How many have children? How many understand that statement? Yes? Come on, in, in the words of a famous uh, comedian, uh, I made you, and I can kill you and make five more look just like you, right? <laughs> Sometimes you feel like your children are not really catching a hold of this thing, and you've done so much for them, and it seems like the more you do, the less they appreciate it. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching the truth up here. 
Look what, he, look, look what he says. Therefore, you're, you're not consumed because I am the Lord of the God. I don't change. God doesn't change. The God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, he's the same God. Amen. No, really, he's the same God. You say, well, why is it called old and new? I don't know. Ask him. But it's, it's still the same. I don't change. Jesus is called the Word. Is that right? What's the Old Testament called? The Word. What's the New Testament called? The Word. Jesus is the same. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning of what? The New Testament, Yes. The Old Testament, yes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or is God. So we know that it's the same. So people can argue that all they want to, but I would rather show up in heaven and have Jesus say, man, you gave too much. Instead of Jesus saying, man, you were cheap. <laughs> Help me, Lord. All right, all right. Look at this, verse 7. Yet from the days of your father. So here we go into God speaking in the last book of the Old Testament, the same book that we, we hear about fathers loving children, right? Except if this doesn't happen, you're going to be under a curse. Look, look at what else he's telling you here. This is how you turn around your society. He said, you have gone away from my ordinances from the day of your father. My ordinances can be my orders and have not kept them. He said, look, I'm, I'm pointing this out to you. I love you. I'm not beating you up. I'm telling you how to get back into the blessing. Return to me. That's called repentance, yes? And I will return to you. Say that. Return to me. And I will return to you. How many want God in your life? How many want the blessing of God in your life? So what he's saying is you've gone away from me. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm not happy about it. I don't hate you. I want you to come home, prodigal. And this is how you return to me. But you said, in what way have we, can we return? Will a man rob God? Underline that, verse 8. Will a man rob God? said to the people, will a man rob God? You have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God replies, you've robbed me in the tithe. You are cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. How many? Some? All the tithes, all the people that believe in God bring the 10% that there may be food in my house. What is food in his house? Another translation says meat in my house. When people need to be saved, guess where the salvation comes from? The bride of Christ. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Between you and your husband, who produces the children? He helps. You produce. You deliver. The bride is female. Where are people born again? In the church. Are you with me? So we have this food that is called food, and it's laid up by the tithe of the people the, that because we appreciate what Jesus did, we dedicate our first 10% to the Lord. Now, I know some of you have been serving God for a long. You know this. You've heard this, but you need to preach it to somebody else. And pastors have a hard time preaching it and preaching it and preaching it, so, so that's why I come in. Because it's very important that you understand that that, that that first 10% brings food into the house of God. So when you want to do outreach or in-reach or anything that you want to do to touch your community, it's based upon the level of food that's here. So if only 20% of the congregation is tithing, we have a church that's, based, that's built on 20%. Everybody walks around. Everybody greets everybody. Everybody's happy. Amen. Can I have you two guys come up here real quick? Can you help me too, sir? Okay. 
Awesome, awesome. Marco, come, come up. All right, I'm going to do this so everybody can see. Y'all stand, stand over here for me so everybody can see. All right, we've got four businessmen. They're all, in the same, they're all going into a business. Are you with me? We're, what's our business going to be? Electrical business. Okay, we're, we're going to have the largest electrical business in Miami. That's the concept. But we haven't started it yet, okay? So we're just getting together. We're all friends, been lifetime friends. We all go to church together. We all really like each other. You guys babysit each other's kids, date night, all that, all that stuff. So we're... Everybody with me? We're all in this together. This is going to change our lives. Now, we each have jobs. What do you do for a living? I'll be a lawyer. A lawyer. Electrical. Electrical. Oh, we need you. Manufacturing. 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 So we all have jobs. The new business is not enough to take care of our families, but we know in a few years, not only will it take care of our families, our kids are going to go to college based on this job. Are you with me? This is our future. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep working. I want you to keep working your job, but we're all going to come to the table and we're all going to agree that every month we're going to put aside a little bit of money for the business. What would you say is a good percentage for the business? How about 10%? There you go. Good job. All right, so we're going to put together 10% all of our money every month. Are you with me? Marco's going to be the accountant. So he's still got a job, but he's going to take care of the money. Got it? So every month we come together. How are we doing, guys? Everything's great. Yeah, we're high-fiving. We love each other. We're doing, we're doing the date night thing. We see each other at church. God is good. There we go. All right, so everything's great. We're loving on each other. One year goes by. I'm doing this quick. One year goes by. We sit down at the table, and we say, all right, let's look at our business, and let's see how we're doing. So we ask the question. So Nick over here gets a glowing report from the accountant. So Marcus, how's Nick doing? He's doing good. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been giving us 10%. Now we're not asking him to give 10% of his income. We only what he makes. See, 10% is a percentage. It's not an amount. That's why it's fair. So if you make $5 a year, how much is it? That might be one of the issues. We need a math class, Pastor. <laughs> if you make $100 a year, so it's $10 a year. Does that make sense? But you make more, so it does, it's, the same, it's the same weight as it is for the guy that makes five. Does that make sense? It's a percentage. It's not an amount. That's why it's fair. How about, how about this gentleman, electric company? How's he doing? Marco? He's doing good as well, so he, he's been delivering his 10%. He's working in the factory. He's taking care of the, he's mopping up at night. He's, he's doing his part. We're doing good. All right, how about this gentleman right here? How's he doing on his, on his 10%? Uh, I don't know, man. What do you mean you don't? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been going to church. You've been doing the date night thing. Every time we see, we give us a holy hug, give us a kiss. Come on. God is good. All the time. But when we do the records, all of a sudden, everybody's doing their 10%, but he did 5%. Yes? Why are y'all looking at him weird? <laughs> How do you feel about him? What's your name? Joey. Joey. How do you Not feel about Joey? Not, Not feeling too good. Why? He's not doing his part in what we're trying to get accomplished. It's been a whole year, and you were made to think... He's doing it because you're doing yours and you're doing yours. How do you feel about doing it? Well, I think that he's not working side to side with us and he needs to step up to the, what he's promising to 
So he needs to step up, right? How do you feel about joy? <laughs> You're not a fan either, are you? <laughs> How do y'all feel about Marco, who's the accountant? And a whole year went by, and he saw what each of you were doing every month, and he didn't say anything to the group. How do you feel about him, Nick? I don't like him anymore. You don't like him either. <laughs> is everybody getting what we're talking about? Can I help you with something? Who is Marco in this scenario? Do you know it's required by law that as a pastor that I know what's happening on the giving in? So that if somebody is stealing from the office, I know it? Did you know that? The law. The IRS, every, that, that, that's a requirement. Wow. That's interesting, isn't it? So the accountant is just as wrong as Joey because he didn't step up and say, we need to make some corrections here. Everybody's doing their part, but not you, right? You guys feel different about that. How would you feel if you found out that only 20% of everybody sitting here right now tithe? Well, good news is we're just about out of time. <laughs> so you can go ahead and breathe. It's the same thing we found out at Powerhouse. Is that we have a lot of people that are embracing the, the doctrine of the new business and the, and the benefits of the church, but we've never challenged them because we love them. We've never challenged them to step up and be a part of the team. It's just like you taking a child and enabling them and giving them everything they need and then the, the, the neighborhood calls your child a spoiled child. Y'all aren't shouting me down when I'm preaching like this. I'm used to it. But I, I came to tell you this today is that we're hurting as a nation because we have people that have not been held accountable. I'm going to leave you with these thoughts. Are you, are you ready? There are 350 million people in the United States today. 75% of them, when polled, say that they were born again. If that's true, and those people gave a dime off a dollar, and the average income is $50,000 a year in that, in that scenario, do you understand something? That the, 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 the gross national product of American Christians would be a half a trillion dollars? $500 billion dollars in just the United States in the tithe. God knows what he's doing. Listen, now listen. This will put it in perspective. Pastor, I did some research. Do you know if you could write one check and eradicate or take away world hunger, what that check would have to look like? I'm talking about Africa. I'm talking about South America, Mexico. I'm talking about every America... Every society that has hungry children, hungry women, hungry, homeless people, one check, feed everybody for a year. How much? Throw, throw a number at me. Some of you businessmen, throw a number at me. Ten billion? Fifteen? I'm talking every mouth in the world. Twenty billion. Go back. The church, if we're all saying that we're born again, 
sitting in churches today, 270 million people that call themselves born again, whether they got born again on TV or whatever, if they only gave the holy thing, if they only blessed the house of God, we, we would see $500 billion in a reserve. $20 billion is all it costs to feed every mouth every day. We could step up to the plate as the bride of Christ and feed everyone, and God would get the glory for it. Amen. Is anybody catching this thing yet? He knows what he's doing. This is not something he's trying to tax you with. He's saying, if you will see what I'm doing and you would simply give the holy thing, then I could be released to bless the rest of your 90% so much that you would raise up a new army. How much do you think it would cost to house every American that is on the street tonight? Give them a home. Could be an apartment, could be whatever, but a home. $30 billion. I'll, I'll jump to the chase. Add the 30 to the 20, you've got 50. Here's your biggest issue, church. You now have $450 billion and you've got to spend it. And all you did was give a dime off a dollar. You think God's trying to take something from you? That's when the church becomes the church. When we follow him by jumping in and saying, I don't understand all that, but I'm in. And you honor him. It's like Pastor was saying. You honor God with your tithe. Give these guys a hand clap today. Come on. Pastor, I think I'm just about done. I know that there's some people that have written books on why you shouldn't tithe. I, wouldn't hate, I would hate to be with them when they stand before God. Matthew 23, 23, just write that down, take it home with you. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said this, you should tithe. I said, Jesus said, you should tithe. I said, Jesus said, you should tithe. Yes. To me, the argument's over. Where do I sign up? Where do I give? Are you with me? Say, I can't afford to tithe. No, you can't afford not to. Look at the, look at the rest of what, of what he says. He says, try me in this. Try me in this. If you'll put food in my house, try and see if I won't open you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devil on top of that for you. I'm going to bless you and protect you. And you can't give me a dime? And I'm not worth a dime. I just want you to be separated from the rest of the world that's playing church. And I want you to be my son or my daughter. And by the way, I don't take money up here. The Bible says that on earth it's men who receive the tithe, but in heaven it's him who sits at the right hand of the Father who receives the tithe. You know what that means? That means when you give a dime off a dollar here, in the church the, the woman takes that seed and it comes in as a seed and she transforms it into what? A baby. There's an egg waiting for your tithe. There's a born-again experience. So whenever the Bible says lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth, where, where moth and rust don't corrupt, yes? And thieves, someone say thieves, don't break in and steal. Is that what it says? Lay up treasures in heaven where thieves can't, why can't thieves break in and steal? They ain't there. There's no thieves in heaven. 
But what does it call somebody that doesn't tithe? Robber. Thief. Pastor, that's too hard. I don't know if I can believe that. I understand. I just want you to meditate on what you've heard today. I want you to prove me wrong. Actually, I want you to, to prove it right. And I want you to pray that God would give you revelation. Because within this congregation today is all that God needs. To turn things around right now. Because listen, your tithing or lack of is either enabling your blessing or not. And all you need is God's hand to touch what you're doing. But you've got to have faith. You've got to trust. Amen? Last word, Proverbs. Proverbs 3 and 5. Written by the wisest man in the world. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that's your spirit. And lean not on your own. There you go. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. Here we go. You ready? Verse 9. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Say it with me. Honor the Lord with your possessions. With your what? With your possessions and with the what? First, that's the tithe. And the tithe, the first fruits of all your increase. And when you do this, what will happen? Your barns will be filled with plenty. It's another promise of God. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Church, I just came to tell you today that I'm a blessed man. I'm 55 and I feel 25. I'm going to have a long, good life. Not because I'm somebody. Because I'm simple and I just follow the words, the words of God. So does your pastor. This is not difficult. I want to challenge you today to ask this question. What kind of bus do you want to be? Curtis, what kind of bus do you want to be? This church is a bus. The bus you see on the wall right now is a 20% church and everybody's hanging on and they don't know if it's going to go another five inches much less 10 miles to get them where they're going that's what a bus looks like when it's fueled with only 20% your tithe fuels the speed and the accuracy with which this church runs its course you can decide today if you want to ride on that bus, if you want your pastor on that bus, if you want these new salvations on that bus, that bus, or if you want to have a different kind of bus. I'm not talking about offering. I'm just talking about the tithe. The tithe is what opens up everything else. You've got to decide what kind of church you want to be on. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm done. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. You may be seated. The single biggest problem for anybody who lives upon the earth in this generation is called belief. In their heart, they don't have the capacity to believe God. So the biggest blessing is those of us who do believe. And if you believe as a child, uh, you're better off than if you believe, you know, as a cynical and um, 
a, a person who, who does, can't see it. I had a young uh, boy about five years old come into my office with all his Monopoly money um, six months ago. And he says, Pastor, this is for the church. And he just handed me uh, 700 because I counted it. I said, Lord, I'm going to honor this young man. And what he gave Monopoly money, I'm going to turn it into real money, and I'm going to give it away uh, just to honor him. So in that regards, there's those who believe and those who don't believe. And to have a heart of a child, he didn't keep back any of the money. He, he gave me the whole wad of all his Monopoly money that he had. He could have separated 500 and kept 200 But he says, this is so good that I put this, give this away. Um, Another, another small boy, Brian, he's three years old. His grandparents bring him to church all the time, so he's tugging on their arm. I need to talk to the pastor. I need to talk to the pastor. And they don't know what he's going to tell me, so they're a little bit concerned. So they come up to the door. He says, Pastor, we don't know why. He's tugging on us. He's pulling on us, and he wants to tell you something. So I lean over, and I said, Brian, what is it you need? And he says, I want to start a church in my house. And I said, you know what? And you're going to be the pastor. Because he wants to take the blessing of the Lord to his father's house, to his mom's house that are going through a divorce and a separation and there's no joy and there's no peace and there's animosity. Um, I want to tell you that the glory of God is upon us and not on the basis of what we give because we could never give what God has already given us. This week, the Lord gave me Psalm 3 verse 2. And it says, look as they look upon this man and they say, God can't even help him. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. That means that God cannot pull this guy to the place where he needs to be. And that's what a lot of people that are unbelievers are telling us. And, and there's not a day that goes by that we're being challenged, that we're stupid because we go to the house of God, that we believe the Bible, that we're Christians, that we listen to sermons that will take us to another level. And so this, this word here, many are they who say of me, there's no help. Not even God could help him. But the truth of the, the testimony of what God has done for me, and now all my friends could make fun of me, they could laugh at me, they could belittle me, they could mock me. They're like, you're so stupid, you've been tithing since you're 16, that's foolish. And I challenge them with my marriage, with my children, with my faith, with my finances, with my ministry, all because of, of this one step of faithfulness without question. I could never pay even monetarily, what God gives me on a daily basis. 10% wouldn't even come close to it. So this man challenges his mockers and those that are making fun of him being a Christian and those receiving a, a message like we heard today with verse 3 where he says, God, you are my protection. They, they could be laughing at me, but you're my shield. You're my glory, and you're the one who lifts up my countenance. You're the one that puts me ahead of everybody else. And so that, that is the exchange. And, and, and the, the, the powerful thing is only those people that experience that will be able to live at that level. Uh, other people will be under a yoke of a whole bunch of things on their lives because of their unbelief. Um, so I, I pray that, uh, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for that word. Um, amen. I believe there's, there's much more than a monetary exchange when we give to the Lord what belongs to him. And, and a lot of us would like to be impressive. I tithe. <laughs> Big deal. You breathe too. 
This is you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to. A Christian is 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 not only. And let me tell you something. The men I've met, um, most of them, when I started my law career many years ago, I went to Texas and I was blown away by the generosity of the Texan businessman and his faithfulness to tithe to the Lord. You know, the only state that didn't go through the economic depression in the United States during the last 20 years is Texas. The only state that did not suffer in any means are those that were faithful to God. And I'm telling you, it's just, just through the roof. And so um, tithing, and this you have, to, you have to write this down in your notes, that tithing is only the training wheels. When you're learning how to ride a bike, they put those two wheels in the back so you don't balance. So tithing is the training wheels of your generosity because I promise you that once you start seeing the fruit of your tithing, you're not going to stay at 10%. You're going to be getting so blessed from the heavens that your generosity, and a lot of these men experience this, they say, God, the deal is so good that I will only keep 10% and I'll tithe 90%. How many want that deal? I'm getting so blessed that with 10%, I could give away. And so we got Bill Gates in there who's, who's giving away all his funds. Uh, the guys from uh, Facebook are giving away all their funds. Rockefeller giving away their wealth. Why? Because they have so much of it. And so we'll never see that unless we start with the training wheels of tithing, and that's just the basic. The law is just the foundation and in grace, it's going to be a lot more. Why? Because then you'll be recognized in your generosity to all men. This is the saddest thing is a son who sees that he has a stingy father. That's the saddest thing in the world. Last year when we were doing the, the faith lake, uh, we have 50 men, that, 75 men went over to Intense, and they're building a lake. Imagine we go to Texas, and we already take their football trophy, that's a big step. But then they're going to build a lake, and it's $100,000, and the Miami bad boys, the businessmen, oh, I got to go to the restroom. Oh, I got to go to my tent because I forgot my flashlight. And like roaches, they were all leaving because they're, 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 they're picking up money to build a lake. And I said, I'll be darned if Miami doesn't come up with serious substance to build a fishing lake for fathers and sons. I'm not going to be there. In, in the presence of them doing something that is powerful, and <laughs> Pastor Jeff, thank you, and, and go into the tents. You know what that's called? A coward. Those are not the men that we need to fight the battles of the Lord. So he says, hey, guys, we're in this with you. We want to see, and, and I thank God that we have a man of integrity because I grew up in a church where they continued to, to gather funds, and there was never a lake. There was never a retreat home. There was, no, there was a building fund, and there was never building. And so men like GF, 12 months later, we go back, and we're going to be on a lake fishing with our sons. Super powerful. So uh, without any further ado, again, Pastor, thank you. Um, I, I was looking for many years for men to model after his example. I, I want to be able to follow in that example and footsteps. Um, I believe, and, and since the day we made that decision, um, we've been around as a church for 18 years. So we did look far and wide around the world 
for men of integrity, men of character, men are faithful to their wives and to their children, to their families, to their church and ministry. Um, we went down there when Jordan Ranch was inaugurated by uh, Joel Olstein's mom, Dodie. And she says, I've known GF since he's 13. I said, okay, that's a long time. He's 55 now. And so um, we continue to make that excuse. Well, I haven't found the guy, uh, whatever the issue is. But I, I encourage you today to get serious with God, uh, to try some rocket fuel. I love that title. Let's stand today and, and ask God. You know, everything that happens in the kingdom of God requires faith. It's not going to require intellect. Um, truly, the parasites are a thousand. Those who live on the sacrifice of others. If you have a dog, you know what parasites are. They're inside your dog, eating away at their intestines. They're, they're secret. They diminish the vitality, the strength, and the health of the living organism. And the church has a lot of parasites. A lot of parasites that are eating off of the blessing of another. We see the power of God in our midst, and we just have to bow down and worship. Bow down and say, God, I can never, never even come close to repay you for your grace in my life. Um, in the last, maybe in some other churches, they don't see the contrast. Um, George Smith, come up here, please. This gentleman walked into our men's meeting. How many years ago, George? Four years ago, going on five. He has four older brothers. He's the youngest of five. And all his brothers taught him, George how to do everything twisted, everything fast, street smart. Like this man, you're not going to find him in day count. He has a, he has a baby. He has a Frank Sinatra blue eyes effect. But this is, this is, this guy, wow. He walked in the men's meeting and he says, Pastor, you said I'm not to move in with my girlfriend and I'm going to move in with Natasha this week. And you said that that's not a good idea, so I'm not going to do it. I want to take the marriage uh, course at church. I want to honor her. I want to marry her. And they just had their first son, uh, first daughter, their first child. He is walking it out in front of his four, four older brothers that won't even come near this place. They're nervous. At the day of his wedding, they were shaking in their boots, and they all live with their girlfriends. So they, all the girlfriends were going like this. <laughs> but you guys, George stepped it up and honored Natasha, is honoring his, his daughter, and, and they're living a dream. Alex Calderon, come up here. Nick Quintero, come up here. Danny, come up here. Leandro, come up here. These guys have come in the last two years here. Listen to me. We... Eddie, come up here. Come up here, Eddie. We have saved Dade County millions of dollars in criminal conduct, <laughs> in therapy, in rehab. Pastor, we have saved Dade County millions of dollars. Because these men come in here, and in one moment, they're transformed in the presence of God. Totally transformed. Nick, where's Nick? Tell the story of you going to a place, and they say, you need a men's devotional. You got, you got scenarios? Get a men's devotional. Yeah, someone had told me to get a, 
a men's devotional. I didn't know how to be a leader. I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know anything to do with that. So I'm here praying for it. You know, I was a Christian. And um, so I went on a mission to look for that. I ended up buying a, a study Bible. Um, I was asking out for a men's devotional, a men's book, looking between two books. And I, okay, I'll take this one because they both look good. Um, and then, you know, still my mind, I wanted to get a men's devotional because I wanted something specific. So I ended up driving on 107th, and I live, I live west in the 147th and Sunset. But um, there's traffic, and I was like, let me go, I'll go more north to go back west, which I've never done before. I end up stopping at a bookstore, and I go in there, and I tell the girl, she's like, oh, how can I help you? And I, I was honest, look, I don't know how to be a man. I need to learn how to be a leader. I have no, no idea what to do when it comes to that, and I need a... You know, I want, I'm looking for a men's devotional. And she goes, oh, well, how about that book? And I look over, and it's What is a Man? And that's the book that I had bought. So it was everything, all the prayers answered. It was like, oh, okay, they have a men's group at 8 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And that's how I got here. Awesome. Alex Calderon calls a friend says, I'm having a crisis in my life, and I need help. That's a, that's a place where men, it's hard for them to get. So the guy tells him, you need to talk to George Caracol because George Caracol has changed his life. And he goes, oh, I know George. Let me see. And he calls George and says, hey, listen, you tell the story, Alex. Well, you forgot about Jose. Absolutely. Okay. That was five years before. Right. Well, I, I came to know a pastor about five years ago by, with Jose. A lot of you guys know Jose. Unfortunately, he's not with us right now. So fast forward two years, and uh, I meet up with George Carrigal. And over the phone, he's like, you got to go to my church. I'm like, where is it? He's like, ah, oh, it's in Doral. I said, hmm. By any chance, does the pastor have three kids, three boys, and is he an attorney? Out of all the churches in Miami, <clears throat> I come back and I see pastor. So... Uh, when I come back, uh, I see the change in the world again. I'm like, I thought he was crazy. Changing the world. It's changed my world. It's changed my world. Alex, your son, seven years old, 10 years old now, but seven back then. He says, I want everybody to be like my father. He stopped cursing. He's a real man. He could hold back his words. He doesn't have to be harmful with his words. He doesn't have to insult and curse anymore. So this is the transformation that's taking place. Listen, um, God's doing something here. He's going to do it with or without us. He's going to do it because that's the promise he extends. So be a part of the transformation that's taking place. And, and every husband in here, every father, every son can testify of the grace of God that has come upon their life. And we're honoring that grace, and it's abundant, and it's amazing. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a heart surrendered at your feet, bowing down and acknowledging you as God, as Savior of our lives. Our sons will follow the, will, will follow the gods of their father. They will worship the gods of their father. We have lifted you up, O oh God, before our sons, in our families, in our community. How embarrassing when they ask us, if we tithe and our investment's not there, Lord. How embarrassing that we do not have, that, that 
our lives do not speak of the integrity and the assurance of your grace in our lives. So today we pray, Father God, that you would raise up a level of faith, of commitment, of loyalty, of honesty, genuineness, integrity in our lives, that we would be able to participate with what you want to do in Dade County and around the world through this church and through your people in this place, oh God. We pray that you would edify, build us up in a spiritual house that all of the people in Miami could see your face, your countenance, lifting up our countenance. You are a shield. You are our glory. You are the lifter of our countenance while other people are questioning whether God can help. That we do it your way, Lord, and not in our own strength. That we seek your prosperity and blessing and not the efforts of our, of our skill and our savvy, Lord. That they might see your glory and not ours. We give you thanks for Pastor GF, Lord. We pray that upon him and his ministry, his family, his church, his influence in the nation will continue to increase. And when men are seeking out a faithful man, a man who honors you, that he would have a voice in our generation, in our nation. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.